Hey, this is Lexi. This is Ari. And you're listening to Hotel Earth. Hi, we'd like to extend our stay. And upgrade. We're, we're here. here. We're rolling. Welcome we're back to another episode of Hotel Earth. And this one is particularly special because there's a special yes, guest. Yes, we have a very special guest today. Today we are joined by Isabella Deschard. We love finding some local Tampa natives to we pop do. on the podcast. I feel like y'all are a rare commodity. One, this actually. one is really, really fucking cool. Uh, you probably got some sort of superlative for being the coolest. No way. Definitely. I, I think this superlative is living in Tampa and surviving it all these years. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I booted Church myself heaven. right out of there. Isabella, we are going to kick this off because lately we've been starting the podcast by asking each other random questions because we just kind of got bored of the same fucking intro, but we're going to ask you a random question. So Lexi, fire it. My question for you, I'm imagining that you have a few hobbies. Uh, Is that a fair assessment? It's fair. It's a fair one. I do. Okay. If you had to give up all of your hobbies except for one... What hobby would you keep and Ooh, why? That's a good question. That's a very good question. I'm thinking out loud here. The first few hobbies that come to my mind is not, not that many, I guess. I like to I like to rollerblade. <laughs> I like to <laughs> cut up little magazines and make collages. Oh, I do that too. <laughs> it's cool. very peaceful. I don't think I want to get rid of that one. I think the hobby I would get rid of is it's not rollerblading either. I would... <laughs> I would I would say rollerblading if I had to, because I really like my art and making stuff. That's fair. You keep your art. Yeah. She keeps the art. She ditches the rollerblading. If you cut like regular exercise, I'll cut that out and still keep the rollerblading. But fuck that. I'm just not a runner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lexi, Lexi oh, God, tried no. to. She is not a runner. She is not a track no. star. No, Lexi no. tried. <laughs> didn't you post a TikTok about running, Lexi? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, and I'll, t- I'll tell you what, though. The endorphins afterwards are no yeah. joke. I felt like I could run through a brick wall afterwards. But the entire time I was on the run, it felt like I was actually Dying. breathing in fiberglass and then spitting up, like, entire little intricate, ornate, like, ornate that's a great, glass sculptures. That is a great analogy. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I know that feeling. You're welcome. I yeah. used to literally hide from my, like, track coach in high school because they would make us run, like, two miles as a fucking warm-up, and I'd be like... That's just not going to happen. <laughs> so this is your first, this is y'all's first time meeting, right? Yes, it is. Wow. Yeah. Cool. I believe That's so. very cool. So Isabella and I actually went to high school together, mm-hmm. but we, I don't think we actually ever like spoke until far after that. <laughs> like, yeah, I think so. Um, our sisters have always kind of been friends and for years my sister and your sisters have always been like i don't know why you two aren't friends like you guys have so much in common like they've been telling me that for years i did always hear that too they're like you yeah. would really like Rushan's sister she likes the same music as you and i, was I like, know i would get all the same shit i'm just yeah. like huh you got a like, point and they, they were they were right inevitably here we are now we've got her on the pod and this is 
so huge for us. We're very excited because you've got a lot of cool experiences to share. And today we're going to be mostly focusing on your experience with cannabis, but more specifically your experience with regenerative regenerative agriculture. Before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Obviously, we already know you're from Tampa, but beyond that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I went to the University of Central Florida um, and I spent four years there and I got Bachelor of Fine Arts in acting and theater. That is so cool. It was all I ever saw myself wanting to do when I was young, and I really never knew what would come out of it, but I just knew when, you know, they tell you at 17, okay, choose what you want to do for four plus years. I couldn't think of anything else, and I'm, I'm very happy I did. I had a great time. Um, so I got my acting degree, and then shortly after graduating, I traveled around a bit. There's some travels and adventures I wanted to focus on and because why not? I was 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Definitely. And so coming back uh, to the States after that time, I needed a job out of college like we all do. And I started um, ghost writing for a cannabis seed company online. And they yeah. were like, okay, you need to write about growing weed at home and here's 10 keywords that you need to include in every blog post and there you go and i'm like okay well i don't know anything about how to grow cannabis except really the only thing i knew was how i incorporated it into like my college years and uh i my Fair. that's where my connection with cannabis really started to flourish i guess was in my college years because i was experiment i guess experimenting like everyone's going out and drinking and I started to notice like how the, those effects felt different than me smoking and how it kind of like smoking a joint you know at the end of the day like calmed my nerves and I know <laughs> it sounds like acting is all fun but it was a ball of stress all the time so yeah uh the the plant really helped me manage that and so having to write this these articles about cultivating I had no idea and so I'm looking up googling like life cycles of the cannabis plant and like how to germinate seeds and all these things as I'm writing as I go I was learning on and so all of this to say fast forward three years uh during that time I picked up a bunch of other random gigs and I was randomly writing about cultivating different strains different farming methods and I was learning a lot and um I was freelancing in the industry you could say um so yeah that was about three years and and I, I stumbled into this uh farming gig not too long after that about this time last year actually wow wow that's awesome yeah. I love how acting actually played such a big role in bringing you bringing you here yeah it was great um and of course it, there is definitely it was connecting as a consumer right and it wasn't until right. after college and I started doing the work that I realized like the education and the value it had and so that's what led yeah. me to um get involved in this program called the Gangier certification program and it's fairly new but uh the basis of the program is it's very similar to like a wine sommelier that comes <laughs> to your table and says may I pair you this red with your dinner or whatever so but the, this it. program was very similar and how the goal was to to train um people to become gangiers and be like that liaison for people that maybe don't 
know much about cannabis medicine yeah. or they're looking for a consultant to start a farm or facility or brand or any type of education. So I, I did this program. It was about a 30 hour online course and I was watching a bunch of videos on everything from like the history, which is super extensive of cannabis to uh, the different methods we have today. It's not just like your bong and your joint. There's so many different right, electronic right. devices out there. So, and I you mentioned something, yeah, you mentioned something so interesting, which I actually had, it was a point I was going to make later, but since it's coming up now, about the, the difference between consuming and cultivating. I remember reading in one of your, your posts that you actually said that for anyone who's, who's in the industry or has a passion for cannabis at all, like you, your connection remains like disconnected, disjointed until you've actually tried to to cultivate it, to grow it yourself. And I, I feel like that's such a powerful thing, not just with cannabis, but with things in general, like with our everyday things that we that we consume, that we wear, that we create. I mean, it's just, there's a huge difference between creating something and cultivating something and just consuming something. Like you you have such a, such a bond with that thing. And that's kind of part of the regenerative agriculture too, right? Is when you really take care of the cultivation of, of a plant or of something that's going to be created for something else that you're going to use every day. Yeah, absolutely. I think from an environmental standpoint, I think that's what we want to see in almost every industry. We want to see this more cradle to grave approach with a real appreciation for how we raise something and how do we do it in the best way possible to not only create a really good product, but make sure that the people consuming it are healthy, happy, and mm -hmm. getting the best out of it that they can and seeing it through to the end of its life. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes the whole experience that so much more rewarding. And like you yeah. guys said, it goes beyond cannabis. Like this is specifically mm -hmm. the major takeaways I had was how you can really apply this style of farming and the whole like, seed to sale farm to table could apply to anything it could be tomato plants it could be it is, you yeah. know your little i have a little basil plant out there that i'd take a lot yeah. of good pride of, pride and joy of right now yeah it just made the whole experience super rewarding and i, I definitely realized by literally being hands-on and like fist deep in dirt and manure and having to get out there and like pluck like the bad weeds and yellow leaf and do all these things it's, it just made me realize like I had spent two and a half years during at that time working in cannabis, which is really nothing compared to a lot of these people who have pretty much established the community and the legal mm -hmm. side. You know, I just scratched the surface of my experience, but it just made me realize like, oh, I really don't know anything until you really get hands on with it. I love that you took the plunge to figure that out for yourself. That's why I was so like fascinated by the story. And I remember I remember when you started last year, I guess you said, yeah, I was like around this time when you when you went. I started reading like your stuff and I just thought it was, it was so cool. I was like, this is awesome. Like how many people actually, if they're curious about something, take the plunge to, to learn, to figure it out. I mean, it just doesn't happen that often. I know I, I, I mean, I have a, a fondness and appreciation for it because I fucked off and, you know, did yeah. the same thing, but, but, um, it's Fuck super cool. and find and out. Fuck around. Yeah. That's the Lexi's motto. The graph. I love, I love saying that. I love saying if you fuck she around, does. you will find out. You will mm -hmm. find out. You Sometimes will. finding out, though, like in this very extreme situation, was very much worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us, tell us like more about some of the, if you can, some of the details about the the whole experience. So you stayed in what 
is called the Emerald Triangle. I can preface this all by saying I was fingerprinted. I was a legal worker. And in the state of California, specifically in legal cannabis, to have any type of commercial farm or facility, anyone touching the plant has to be fingerprinted with a background check and go through a whole extensive process. That's super good to know. That's it. really yeah, good to know. It is. So, it, and there was a time where uh, when it was illicit, the black market days and people weren't, you know, getting fingerprinted. So it's very much screened. I was protected and everything. Um, I, cool. I will say that I was taking this Gangier course. I was ready to fuck around and find out. So I'm <laughs> looking around the internet for volunteer opportunities. And I wasn't specifically looking for anything in cannabis, but a farming opportunity came up and I'm looking at the listing and I'm looking closer and I'm like, that's my mentor in my Gangier program. I'm like, this is wow. She fucked this around and guy. she found out. She I'm did like, find out. The I universe was out. like, here you go. Yes. This, yeah, <laughs> that's sometimes it really just hands it to you on a silver platter, right? Yeah. It gave me chills. It it was like I can't not message. So I reached out and I said, Hey, you know, I'm in this program. And although the the program is entirely online, um, there was a part that I had to go fly to California to do the in-person training. So I was going wow. out there and they said, we need um, a, we need a intern for the summer. Can you come next week? And I said, that would give next me some week. Yeah. Like to stay like, or just a visit? To no, stay, to stay. Like, the entire cultivation wow. season, which would okay. be a six month period. And this was in the end of March. That's, I had no idea that you didn't like prep or anything like a week. No. Oh so God. then I go to my family. And then, look, okay, so the Emerald Triangle is where this farm was. And it's a very, like, renowned region of Northern California. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking, like, three and a half, four hours north of San Francisco. It is Yeah, that's, like, proper NorCal. No one yes. goes there. Like, it's, like, yeah, boonies. No. Yeah. <laughs> if you, it's not, and it's also not, like, there's a McDonald's on every corner and gas stations and cell phone service. So you're, like, up in the mountains. But it is the most breathtaking area so those counties that make up the emerald triangle are mendocino humboldt and trinity and they that's just the region where there's legacy farmers that have been like okay. ducking from helicopters and hiding their plants among like a forest of redwoods for like decades before uh california wow. legalization so to summarize like they know their shit up there. <laughs> yeah. And to summarize, so, they know their fucking shit. So it was it was just to like for me to process that I was going there was like a big deal. And then um yeah, it, it it's it was cool. I wanna say like I, I remember telling my family and they were like, you know, this is where like murder mountain is and there's a lot of like back in the black market days, a lot of like people would move or travel there for six months time to get to trim or to harvest or to help with the cultivation and then you know unfortunately there is a lot of like crimes and mysteries but if you watch anything on netflix it's everything these days but um so because of that i was a little hesitant but i got there and it did not take me long to realize like okay this is cool and it was so um, awesome it was a, a older couple and his name is swami he there's an older couple that they are the kindest like san francisco loving hippies you could just imagine and that Hell is yeah. goals they, yes and they're just happy loving couple and so they lived in india for like 20 plus years and 
Mm. The man became a swami. So he was called back to Northern California about 25 years ago. And that is when he started this cannabis farm up in a small town in Laytonville, Mendocino. And the farm was called Swami Select. And it is a legal commercial cannabis farm at the moment. They're craft cannabis and they market themselves as sun-grown, organic. I th- their, their tagline is grown with the sun, earth, and stars. Oh, that is so, so hippy dippy. I love it. <laughs> very well, hippy dippy. I, I want dippy. some of their product. That sounds, this sold me for sure. Yeah. So they're great. And um, because of that, like they had been growing for probably as long, as old as I am. They had a whole system down. And because they are a legal farm in California, there's a lot of hurdles and hoops that you have to jump through, not I just bet. to be a legitimate commercial company air quotes it's really a farm but they treat it as a company so they had to have like wheelchair accessibility and ada and all these types of things on on the farm, which is a little bit difficult so because of having to jump through all those hurdles on top of that they were also a certified organic sustainable cannabis farm and there's a few different certifications that these farms and the cannabis industry can have one Mm -hmm. of them is called dragonfly earth medicine and okay. the other is called Clean Green, which you might be familiar with or have I heard. I think that one I that one I did know. Clean Green, they have different like sectors of their certification. So yeah. their farm was certified. In order for it to get these certifications and these like accolades, they had to follow a very, very specific regenerative farming process and method. Okay. For example, I believe it's clean green. Their certification, their guidelines, their standards, you can't use specific products at any point in your <laughs> cultivation season because it's not, that's not what they're deeming organic. Like certain pesticides or fertilizers, things like that? Yes, exactly. So even something like bat guano is something a lot of people will use. It's just bat poop. And they'll use it in fertilizer as a natural organic amendment instead of like a synthetic fertilizer. Clean Green did not deem that organic or natural because it's coming from an animal and not like another plant source. And that, mind you, this is just their specific certification. Because of that, a farm like Swami Select has to keep in mind at every step from seed to harvesting. Like if we use this pesticide or this oil to solve like our pest issue or to help feed nutrients is it organic and is it going to qualify under these standards they really have to think about it on every level like every step of the way yeah and and i picked up on that really quick because then i'm thinking like it's not like we can just run to the lowe's or home depot and buy fertilizer and then on top of that there is two main regenerative methods that they go beyond cannabis but i did learn especially in the emerald triangle area i was in a lot of farmers will use these methods and it's called knf korean natural farming is one of them and that's more of the process of finding like ingredients or like microorganisms and Mm -hmm. resources you have on your farm and your land creating that to produce soil to help give higher nutrients and produce higher yields in the plants like composting basically like like you could use your own organic compost to as a fertilizer yeah exactly so yeah and so knf um contributed to that because they would take they say like indigenous microorganisms they call them imo around the farm and it's almost like i kind of saw it as like fermenting you ferment these 
microbacteria, fungi, organisms. Um, and depending on what you're trying to make and what you've, you know, captured to ferment, the time period and the way you go about it is different, but then you can apply it to honestly any point, any life cycle of the plant at some point needs like the specific nutrients. So that was very interesting because KNF was more like, okay, we're going to collect these fungi we found in the forests and in 20 days use it for um that is so cool that is so cool wow i'm i'm really becoming fascinated with um regenerative um agriculture these days because i've recently become obsessed with soil as i've talked about a couple times on this podcast well i'm learning about how important soil quality is for for agriculture in general and it's really interesting to learn about the different methods that are you said that there a lot of them are ancient practices too i mean i don't know how new any of these are but in the documentary i watched about soil quality and regenerative practices a lot of them come from like ancient eastern asia and like just the way that they maintain such good crop quality um and it's just something we've really gotten away from in modern agriculture here in the states where it's all like industrial farming, right? And it's just they don't they don't right. consider things like like the like the processes you've just described or they don't consider soil quality or maximum crop quality. They're just trying to get like produce as much as you possibly can for yeah. maximum profit. We shit on America a lot. I don't think it's always fair. What I've noticed mm-hmm. in a lot of the academic literature for regenerative ag, it's almost like we have eight different american definitions of what that is and no one can agree on the standard for it Uh, and then it ends up actually becoming a problem because okay if we can't agree on what the standard for regenerative agriculture is and how do we make a standard for it and uh then if eight of us are doing you know these 10 practices and we're saying this is regenerative agriculture and these 16 people are doing eight and they're calling it regenerative agriculture it's like we're almost pitting the sector of regenerative ag against each other because we don't have this longevity of practice in place here but i totally get what you're saying where there isn't like as a like a, a super defined standard for it in the u.s yeah. yet maybe yeah it also gets a little <laughs> hairy with cannabis because you were talking a little bit earlier about legality wise because cannabis isn't federally legal so we don't have <sighs> the usda with a standard for cannabis and the, it seems like the only way we've allocated funds to study something like cannabis is by giving the money for hemp. And those yes. aren't the same thing. So it's, it's really interesting when we talk about regenerative ag and then we're talking about something that's not regulated in the same federal way like cannabis, because if it doesn't have the, the federal backing per se, it makes finding studies on their air and water impacts it makes that a lot more difficult because now you're looking at it at a very small scale like what are the impacts in california we can legally study that but as a nation we don't have that federal backing to like actually do the research does that make sense yeah absolutely that's probably it's a huge issue right now because just because it's legal in most of these states it's such an uneven playing field and so Mm, for some practices that someone's doing in california it's may not be the same standard or be regulated the same in oklahoma but i i do see what you're saying lexi and i agree how there's like there there should be a a standard right because we have if you think about any other kind of category or subject in the u.s alone like there Mm -hmm. is some type of like 
structure or standard there. But because we are lacking the federal legalization right now, there's not enough research being conducted like as yeah. a whole, thinking like yep. how much energy is indoor cultivation yes. using? Or yes. how impactful could these regenerative farming methods be if we applied them to cannabis alone? Like yeah. that information isn't just accessible yet because of the hindrances we have. But I, I did just feel like especially what I had learned through this, it could be applied, like I said, to the tomatoes and oranges we buy in the market now. I it just should see, be. What are we doing? It's such a good point you make because um, long-term you make, a farmer can be so much more successful because they take care of their land this way. When you take care of your land like this and you consider the longevity of, of soil, you can make so much more money, but the farmers a lot of times are also subsidized to grow certain crops year round. And that's right. what just like, that's why regenerative isn't, uh, isn't, it's getting more traction again, but that's why for so long, like post-World War II, it's been the, like these tilling practices, these industrial ag uh -huh. like practices. And it sucks because our food quality, if you look at like in the last hundred years, I think we're at like 40% of like the nutrients we used to have for food. You've probably noticed a a difference in quality with the with the crops that you've grown there that you saw like you, that you got you cultivated there versus probably the product that you've smoked otherwise or you've tried otherwise however you're deciding to consume it and it, it applies to food too regenerative agriculture absolutely needs, needs to become more mainstream not only for for the purpose of soil quality but also quality of the product when you take care of land like that you have you also like maintain the ability to sequester carbon from the atmosphere which is like yeah so do you guys talk about like no-till farming I, a lot yeah industrial ag practices in general but tilling is definitely like the biggest one of the biggest problems yeah i learned that too how it's kind of a no-no yeah <laughs> but then for um these larger you know agricultural like the turnarounds like like you said they're just at at some point down the line, it went from ancient farming practices, like we must grow this so we can survive and feed our families. And it's still like that, but now it's also like money, money, food. And so it's quick turnarounds and the whole like tillage process ruins, it causes soil erosion and then it just ruins like the microbiome is that is yep. happening in that the top soil. soil. You ruin the topsoil. Exactly. I learned, okay, so, and then topsoil on the farm was yeah. a big thing too. And that's when I was being told about no yeah. farming and how it's not good, but just feeding the topsoil for any type of plant you have is creating that, including those microorganisms and microbes creates like this little yeah. mini environment. And then they're all feeding off each other and then helping the plant get the nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, everything they need. So it's cool. It's like you're helping grow this own little yeah. world and then it's benefiting the plant that in this case we get to smoke and because of that it definitely did it did impact the quality like, yeah, quality. yeah. <laughs> I, bet, I bet it did yeah i bet it did lexi we may have to we may have to go just do a little field trip and test this out <laughs> yeah seriously yeah. i actually um my dad grew up fun fact about my dad he grew up on a farm i know one of the things that they used to do is as they were cycling between crops they would grow things like alfalfa to yeah. help I think it fixes their nitrogen first into the mm. soil and when yep. you replant it for next year, that's it cool. like does wonders for the soil and then you're not depleting it of too much of, of one nutrient. 
did y'all do anything like that? Or were you able to kind of like supplement the soil with your other regenerative practices? Yeah, absolutely. Alfalfa, he said, and frass. Yeah. So for the, the topsoil, we had um, also like with cannabis cultivation, there's a lot of different ways that you can grow your plants, right? Some people will do like a row rows of mounds. Some people put them directly into the earth. Then there's like hydroponics and indoor, but everything I'm referencing is outdoor for the moment. Okay. But so there's there's definitely a different ways you can go about it. But we would have like these mounds that would have at least one to two plants in each. And so before we took the little like baby plant seedlings and put them in the ground, we we would top dress the soil and it had frost, kelp, like vegetable compost that we had on the, the farm we were living on. There was worm castings, yeah. there's rice holes. We got uh, compost from the farm next door had alpacas. Yeah. And so we would go get there. Shovel their poop. That's awesome. I, the I, I love. Okay, we're talking more into. We're getting into like your living experience now, and I'm like so. Just my yeah. personal curiosity is like exploding. I just want to hear what that was like. Because okay. we over here we this preach is, about okay. sustainability, and I'm like, okay, that is hardcore shit that you did, like quite literally. Um, and yeah, and you you said that literally. the the farm was uh, an organic sustainable. So like, how far does that sustainability mm-hmm. reach? A hundred percent. I mean. Okay, so I was on a farm, like, I can't tell you, I don't remember the exact amount of acreage, but it was huge, and like 2,000 feet up on this mountain, and completely off the grid in the sense that it's all solar powered, and all solar Everything was solar powered as well, uh, wow. Mm -hmm. Everything was solar powered, which was really cool, but then there was like some rainy days where it's like, oh, we might not get sun, or we might not have power at a certain point, and then there was like a... A, an inverter and it was an, I learned a lot about solar energy <laughs> but solar power was the big thing there was a, a small well for like any drinking water or like washing hands or dishes but even then like my sister was making fun of me when I got home washing dishes at my parents because I would like turn the water off every dish just like why are you doing that and I'm like because we have to, we have to save the potable water I was like the well water but when it came to showering there was uh that was about like once a week for me wow it was like lake lake water shower so if it was really hot temperature wise and it's like i just need to rinse off i have all this chicken manure and compost on me and so there's like they man-made like a little pond lake that we would get that water to that is mad that is insane (laughs) but did they collect rainwater too oh yeah sorry uh yeah okay so they would they would collect it from that uh lake okay so and it was like a little yeah it was i wanted it's not like a lake we're gonna go tubing or water it's like a retention like like a man-made like type of retention situation yeah okay yeah exactly so so that's where they would collect the water. But um, as the summer went by and temperatures got hotter, the pond was getting yeah. smaller. And it's like, okay, so we need to like... And then sometimes there would be um, solar panels that would help pump that water down the mountain to get to like take a yeah. shower or to water the plants. All the plant watering would be from that retention. Wow. Pond. So you wow. you guys were really working with limited limited resources there. Yeah. I'm... 
that sucks oh, yeah. too because like, like as it gets warmer you want to take more showers too so that kind of that sucks because yeah. now the warmer it gets like it's the- a privilege <laughs> oh you showered today <laughs> bitch getting getting home now i'm like i can shower twice in one day but then i'm like thinking about the water still you know so it's i'm trying to find that happy medium if i was living st- from one total extreme and now like right now in this moment i'm in my apartment like it's it was a little bit of like a culture shock but then by the time i was leaving and coming back to like tampa i'm like i can flush a toilet you know it, it really opens uh, your eyes like, man it really like it changes your approach yeah, to it it did but it also like it was extremely fitting and made sense because I, do, I don't know maybe it wouldn't feel right for me to be able to like shower and shave my legs twice a day and flush the toilet but then be like oh i'm sustainably cultivating cannabis so it definitely like it fit with the whole environment and living situation i was in but yeah i was very very limited wi-fi i was really lucky i was still able to do some freelance work but i would like i would write in the morning and then go shovel compost and and yellow leaf and she does it it all she does it all yeah i i I can definitely have a green thumb now um how many people were on the farm with you so it was uh, myself and then Nikki and Swami is- are the, the kind hippie couple. And then I had two guys that were there. They were like the full-time farmers, um, Harry and Andrew. They're a bit older, but they both have such long history of cultivating. Wow. And they've been living... One guy had been living on the farm there for a few years. So he understood like not only like the general kind of way of life that this was but just how it was on this specific farm right you know they were both very super helpful and so knowledgeable like everything i'm explaining today about the methods they taught me firsthand wow how cool that's so so awesome but yeah and so I, i mean i learned a lot and i mean i will say it was obviously not always glamorous and there was many um times i was like just wished I could like DoorDash my dinner, <laughs> or or like go out to the bar or something. And right. but then just knowing that I was learning this in return. And to circle back, like it even I was going through the Gangier program still at the time. So I oh, was wow. everything I was like learning for the program. I was literally doing hands on. And like to be honest, even learning some more stuff extensively through this experience. So. Even though, like, the program and this internship I had, they don't go hand in hand. Like, you can join the program and train to get certified, and you don't have to spend six months shitting in a, in a hole. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But, like, no, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't, because everyone would be like, so... I don't know if I could like live in on a farm for six months. I'm like, no, I'm I'm just insane, and that's what I chose. To <laughs> you know, do. Like, I don't know if I could like if I could do that. It's like you don't have to. I'm what a you don't. Have it's to. but it's but so I, incredible. I, I mean, say, you have all these transferable skills. It's amazing. Yeah, and but you can also like imp- apply any ounce of like sustainable effort. Yes, in how you're living or growing your garden at home. And you don't have to sacrifice like your Netflix stream yeah. or whatever, but like just m- make some sort of tiny effort. And so I was really like, th- yeah, like I said, that was one of the bigger takeaways and just learning about how um, like something that comes up a lot in 
cannabis, especially the conversation around sustainability, is the whole indoor versus outdoor cultivation. Do tell, because yes. I actually and realized this was a this was a, a a topic of debate actually. So I'm I'm actually I'm I went down a rabbit hole about LED lights over this topic. <laughs> yeah, and that's a huge thing because then you think like people argue that way before legalization people were growing indoors because it was discreet and you could hide it but at the same time we didn't have the fancy led lights and machinery designed for indoor cultivation that we do now so a lot has changed since then and so a lot of these indoor facilities it's not bad right off the bat but the first thing you know at being a nerd in the environment as you can imagine i'm just like what how is this like impacting long term I, I will say I had learned from the certification program, like there's no right or wrong. There's there's important reasons why indoor cultivation exists. And what I normally tell people, what I think is the biggest is you have more of an opportunity to kind of tailor and manipulate the plants and what you're growing when you're in an indoor setting because you can control mm-hmm. the environment. You can't control the sun. And I learned that a lot on this farm because there was I got there in the springtime towards the end of the springtime and it was cold Uh. and rainy like 50 degrees rainy and this was the time where the plants were supposed to see like maximum sunlight like like 10 12 hours a day and they weren't getting that but they couldn't throw led lights up because it's an outdoor facility and because of the certifications the clean green and the dragonfly earth medicine they all require sun-grown cannabis so they had to like it was interesting to see i had always heard about indoor agriculture and cultivation and it was just interesting to see like how you can the differences in both and with indoor you can manipulate it to have a specific like th not specific like you can't grow a plant and say i want it to be 24 percent thc but knowing that you have that control with the environment gives you more room to create the same type of plants and strains over and over again so for the medical cannabis industry this is good because i don't want to buy uh i don't know some kush flower and have it give me for effects that are going to alleviate my anxiety help me go to sleep at night but then i take i buy another batch of kush and it's having me bounce up on (laughs) the walls all night and i'm going out partying or whatever you know so an extreme example no it, but... it, it makes a lot of sense and um you know we've we've talked about the uh, in a way i feel like this does lex wouldn't you say this does kind of have a play a hand in like the eco shaming a little bit because the, the episode that we put out about eco shame because yeah. i feel like initially like yeah. uh, an environmentalist would be like no outdoor only fuck the indoor you know whatever the led problem but it's like you have to you have to remember that there there is a space and a reason for that and um we have to we have to learn how to work with with both for sure because like you said when it yeah, comes to like medical and, yeah medical marijuana as well i mean the, the, those kinds of things are very very important like yeah, absolutely we also have to point out as we have these conversations with climate change crop crops want something very specific and they want it for a specific duration and if we expect our weather to be this, then we can typically grow so that the plant receives what it needs, right? But the problem with climate right. change is our world is changing and things that used to be like 
I can anticipate their weather will be like this in March in San Francisco. That's just not the case anymore. So we also uh-huh. have to keep in mind that we are going to start running into instances where it might not be sustainable to grow outside without having to manipulate the water, the sun, something, because it's not the way that it used to be. And sure, we can adapt. I think it'll probably take a couple of decades for us to like really get in the groove of things. But in the meantime, what can we do to our indoor facilities to make sure that they are not missing the mark and making sure that they are as sustainable Uh or more sustainable than they previously were so that we can adapt to our ever-changing climate and still be successful with what we need, whether it's producing Uh cannabis or if it's producing food. I mean, hydroponics and food Uh is uh, definitely something I have a keen interest in. And um, there's ways that make it less sustainable and ways that make it more sustainable. It just... Depends on what you have available for your resources when you're planning for these things, right? Right. Yeah, that's very true. Like there's always going to, and this goes for any industry, I think, but there's always going to be ways we can do better sustainably, but it doesn't yeah. mean it's not possible. It's just like, even it it could be anything from, I noticed a lot of these like um, like natural amendments um, that we would use for the plant, even if we were buying them from somewhere but they're like it's like natural chicken manure the packaging Uh even then like something like the packaging is just a giant plastic bag but then we go through like 60 of them so why can't that be sustainable in the sense like let's have that packaging like decompose into something else or be valid exactly on a on a on a on a property like that you were on where you guys are actively composting it would just be so easy to just have like a biodegradable or compostable packaging just to shove into like the already existing compost you guys have going and that that really sucks that it's um that the packaging for those things isn't being considered as much just kind of a bummer Something else that is worth considering because it's not a because cannabis isn't federally legal. Whenever farmers or different um, cannabis growers make efforts to reduce their environmental impact, where other industries would get a tax break, typically (laughs) cannabis does not. You cannot qualify for a tax break because you've installed better lighting because you've installed better water practices it does not apply which is another Uh thing that makes accessibility of sustainability for this field so much harder like it's not cheap to do a lot of these more sustainable switches like i guarantee Uh you getting plastic for the bags is a lot cheaper than finding something that is compostable or biodegradable Uh um so it's just that's such a good another, point. Yeah, I yeah. wonder thing for us to. It's another. I problem wonder to if solve. it really hinders like the farm's ability to turn profits. Actually, to by being so actively um, sustainable or making sustainable strides, how does that? How, did you did you notice how that would impact the their ability to to turn profits for the season? Yeah, absolutely. A big conversation that I would hear a lot was like how how are we going to yeah. survive next season because then at first it yeah. depended on the on the crops because the the plants we were having a very hard spring so the first like concern was will these plants mature and grow and will we be able to harvest something 
because that's that's yeah. their income and that and since it's outdoor they only have one shot every year to yeah. grow and then they have to sell all of that and do it again and the past few years it's gotten tremendously wow. more, and more difficult and it's not just this farm specifically so it's not even like i'm singling out swami select but a lot of these outdoor farmers and smaller brands they craft farmers sun-grown cannabis they're hurting because of the cost of everything right now so of these amendments and to run an operation on top of like i mentioned earlier swami selects they have to go through this huge extensive permitting process because they are a commercial farm and you know within the state and so that's not a, that's not cheap either no and then on top of that is especially in california it's a very extremely saturated market right now in cannabis 70 percent of dispensaries are not making their money back there's an influx of cannabis brands and products coming in and there's just not enough people buying it and then to be honest in the emerald triangle you don't see a lot of dispensaries because everyone's growing it themselves and or just hand you know they all have their own little like community and circle but i just remember going out into the um you know, bigger cities, seeing dispensaries, and it, it's the market is super saturated. And because of that, these farmers are having to like pay to keep up with all the fees and becoming like pretty much following all the rules. But then they can't make their money back because a lot of these larger corporations will come in. They have investors. I always, I'm not trying to single out LA, but I always see that it's like the big LA guys like spreading their money, like yeah, yeah, let's build this indoor cultivation or whatever. Because they have the the financial yeah, right, means right. to do that, but a lot of these farmers, yeah. So it's something that I also walked away from this experience being like, okay, no matter what work I do in this industry, I'm gonna help this community yeah. because they they're and look at all the work they're doing and they yeah. give back to the land that they have respected <laughs> and been on and grown for, no matter if it was like recently or yeah. for decades. And I just think like it's just like the mindset and way of life that I think this industry should go about growing. That's powerful. So they, they, they do, they're, they're hurting and I just want to be able to help them as much as I can. I love it. I love it. No, I totally agree though. And it's, it's really worth supporting. It's really worth supporting industry. That's, that's doing their best. Like you said, to give back to the, like give back to the land that they've been taking resources from. Absolutely. And it, it's, it really, it sucks. It sucks that that industry that is working so hard to produce a really not only a good product and a good crop, but to to respect the land that it came from is struggling so much. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like they're setting a real example yeah. for other industries too yeah. in the way that they're in the way that they're operating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. What are some yeah. misconceptions about the cannabis industry that you? would like to set straight Let's set this straight right fucking now so tired yeah let's hear it well i i mean like what i just i think everyone needs to know every brand out there isn't making money right now and that's um that's definitely the challenge for everyone it's also hard work like i always say i i, I went out there i knew i would be getting my hands dirty and working but it is so much more than like peace love and pot hippies like this is a yeah. community that even watching them get pushed down by like finances or 
weathering challenges or you know any any uh hurdle that came up like they're super it's a super resilient community and the whole industry as a whole and but i do think that it needs to be continue to be considered as agriculture that's yeah. what it is cannabis is agriculture yeah, yeah. and um Agreed. it needs to be like we said earlier regulated as so it needs to be like just perceived that way and just the way we go about and treat it i just think would be a really great start to to have us question more like how was this grown and was it met with the best like sustainable potential and i just think like a misconception i want people like my goal working in this community is i want people to buy a product and then not just get excited about how it's going to get you high but think about like where yeah. did it come from who grew this? What was being made, and what were the what was the, that process mm -hmm. like? Right, and just knowing that, like, just let's humanize it a bit more. Like, go to the yeah. grocery store, pick up an apple, and I always think, like, was this? Does this come from Florida? You it's, know, I always like to question that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, we talked about it's this important. before, Lex, haven't we? Was it one of our first episodes? I think, but so it's probably really cringe now thinking about it. But um, yeah, I, it's that when once you consider yourself like an environmentalist part of that is just being uh, super conscious and intentional about every step of the way whether that's cultivation yeah. or consuming like exactly like what you just described when you pick something up exactly. you're not just looking at the price of it you're not just looking at oh this is going to get the job done it's more about like where did this come from what resources did it take to get here what's what's the yeah. culture and po like politics about you know you really have to just like and it is yeah. important like i know it, for, for a lot of people who aren't like innately thinking this way it seems like a lot of hard work but eventually you just like naturally when you're buying when you're buying something at the store you just it automatically run through like the checklist or like you're going through these these things in your head and it does matter absolutely like you like you even said you can see you can see a complete difference in in quality complete difference in quality in the product so uh -huh. it, it absolutely does matter and then when you think about the impact that 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 um production the impact the production had on the planet or on people it absolutely matters yeah so i think this is really important we already do this too with like the wine industry so how do uh -huh. we change the narrative in the cannabis industry for it to not necessarily be the same but we know it's possible we know it can be done Let's well and you know what's you know what's funny to me is that, that the cannabis industry actually has like proper health benefits whereas like wine is just like people like to say it has health benefits hey now uh, a glass of red wine a day I've now heard amore amore <laughs> yeah, i have right? a glass of red wine every yeah. day i already don't squash I, that for me i need I that have, okay. i have wine that's my little bit of I, hope. i'm not kidding i probably have wine close to every day like at least a little like it's just normal i mean i am yeah. in italy but like it's just normal um but i mean i'm healthy as a horse don't get me wrong i'm just saying i'm just saying healthier than i am <laughs> There's definitely there's more, more benefits from cannabis than wine. People, I yeah. know people, especially depending on how wine was, um, how how the grape was produced for sure. Like, and red wine has more health benefits than white, whatever. Um, but come on, like let's be real. There's not like a ton of health proper health benefits that come from wine, but there are that uh -huh. come from cannabis, and which has been proven time and time again. So I, I, 
And if it was federally legalized, would be we'd be able to really tip our hats at it with some concrete. Well, yeah, I know uh, federally supported funding and I know Isabella has another. She wrote another like article or blog post about what it would look like if we made cannabis like federally legal. Um, so for anyone who wants to know what that world yeah. looks like, gotta go check out her, check out her work. Yeah, I was thinking recently. I have so much to say about this and just the last week alone like there's been a a lot of companies i've heard of or people i know personally let go of in the cannabis industry or hurting or having to close doors or something so i'm like i gotta write a call to action on why this needs to be legalized but uh hopefully that will be part of again i don't think a lot enough people are having this conversation specifically about cannabis either so Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, who do you have when you think about the experience you had? Who would you recommend mm. would be like a good fit to do this? Your internship? Oh, like what I did? Yeah, like if if you had to like <laughs> describe who would be a definitely really good fit not, to go and do what you did. Definitely not her either of her like? sisters, and definitely not yeah. my sister. They would drop down. Yeah, no, my <laughs> my sisters. I told them to come visit me, and they're like. No, <laughs> like you know, I'm good. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll meet you in San Francisco. I'm like, okay, so, I, but I would say, yeah, maybe not. Uh, anyone that wants is comfortable with camping for six months. <laughs> but no, just ca- camping in general because you are very outside, outdoorsy. Um, I don't mean, I don't mean to sound stuck up or so saying this, but someone who's gonna work their ass off yeah. because there are a lot of but also have patience because i realize i'm a very hard worker but i need to be go 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 what's this we're doing this next let's get this ready while we're completing you know whatever uh farming is hard work but it wasn't always like that and sometimes it would be like oh we have to wait until we have enough water pumped from the lake to water the plant so we're waiting like you know a few hours and in the process but um, hey it's smoking in the process you gotta gotta (laughs) get through the day somehow man qaqc so some days were like were felt longer than others so anyone that's just comfortable with that being alone because although i had four other people up there with me um it's a lot of alone time it's a lot of not looking on your phone being super unplugged and just kind of connecting with nature out oh, there. I love so it. I love it. If you can do Thanks. that, then I would recommend. I kind of an want to. Like I, it does not have to be six months. I'm kind of intrigued. <laughs> like Lex, because Lex is moving to San Francisco later this year. Actually, um, yeah. I want to do a field oh, trip. Thanks. I want to do it. <laughs> I would do it. Well, you guys can come visit anytime because uh it's it's so fun if you like camping because they have a little tent set sign up. Me you up. know i don't know if sign i would do up. the six yeah. month plunge you could sign me up for like a four four okay. week situation i would do that i would do that yeah you can learn four weeks in the summertime you'll be seeing well that and also also bud. like i just feel like like you said i feel like it is important to um to just have that experience and get that connection of what like you said, it's not just it's not just growing weed; it's agriculture. Like ha- learning those processes yeah. and learning about, like you said, the hard work and balance with patience. Like how you have to let you can you facilitate, but you have to really let nature like do its thing. Um, and I, I do uh-huh. think that would be a pretty eye-opening experience for most people. But like you said, um, 
I don't necessarily see everyone <laughs> being able to yeah. pull that off. So for those people that can't take that plunge and that's totally fine, like if you have the means to do it in your home, like grow a little yeah. plant, grow a yeah. little tomato. Or I just think having some type of like, like connection to any type of plant. And there's people that are that's like, nice. oh, I don't have a green thumb, but get a cactus. And then those are just as simple. And it's just the fact of like watching something grow from tiny to little, like it's yeah. so rewarding. Why do you think people have children? Okay. Cause they want to watch that process. And so I feel the same way about my plant. I'm with Isabella about the plant <laughs> versus children conversation. <laughs> way more sustainable for the environment than children. Agreed. Let me tell you. It also Facts. doesn't cost you on an average of like 50 K to grow it from zero to 18. Yeah, exactly. And then, at least like plants can be indoor outdoor you can grow kids i think i think kids I can sleep but outside <laughs> yeah Just... yeah they're good they they couldn't they could probably not handle this farm though i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, I, it was just a good time and like i'm thinking about what we said about wine earlier and i say a lot like because to go back to like the indoor versus outdoor conversation there's no right or wrong there's no better or worse but there's definitely limitations and benefits to both but what i my mic drop uh soapbox speech is you wouldn't buy wine that was grown indoors and you wouldn't buy coffee beans that were grown inside a warehouse so why would you smoke something that is grown indoors under artificial that was a mic well? drop ending to this pod that was a mic drop ending i've got to be honest yeah that was, good. that was good but i mean no matter what, it's good either way, but I'm not buying wine that was I, grown inside. I think an Italian would, would uh would drop dead before they did that. I think honestly, yeah. can we all cheers to, to cheers. that? Yes. Cheers. Cheers. Um well, Isabella, this was actually one of my favorite conversations I think we've had on this podcast. I learned a lot. I feel invigorated. I feel invigorated. I'm ready yeah. to pack my bags and go check this out. Um <laughs> I wonder if they do anything like that in, in Italy. I, I've got six months before law school, baby. I'm, I'm about to be like on my computer trying to figure out how do I sign up for like a go. short three month stint. Let's but go. There's also um, total, there's, this is maybe a shameless plug, but there's farms out in Mendocino and Humboldt specifically that give tours of um, their property and how they cultivate and the different methods you use it's very hands-on and the person who runs it is awesome so if you're ever interested, very cool very drop cool that yes yeah. please send that to me as we wrap up please plug anything you would like for people to follow where can they find you your i know you have a blog you can find both of mine at uh bitchy hippie on instagram there's no i in bitch <laughs> bitch without so the i <laughs> bitchy hippie Bitch without the eye because Instagram does not like me, <laughs> but I still post all my stuff on there. And yeah, Bitchy Hippie is just kind of a platform to bitch about the environment mm -hmm. and cannabis and how we can be doing better. And it's super and cool that's art. Why, super yeah. cool, talented artists over here. So yeah. definitely give that a follow. It started around the time um, I started this whole journey. And so, yeah, I've been creating a lot from what I learned and check out there i write for a magazine called uh fat nugs okay. magazine and there's a lot about sustainable cannabis and the 
industry tea, as tea, a whole tea. and that publication Great. as well. Um, but I want to thank you guys for having me. And I love that you have created this platform to talk about these important Aww. issues in a fun way. So thank you. And it's also been really awesome to find um, people like yourself to have these conversations yeah. with. I mean, we started this to create a community, but wow, I mean, couldn't couldn't have asked yeah. for, for better company me either. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I think we should do a, yeah. And I think we should say hasta la pizza. Ciao for now. Hasta la pizza. <laughs>